Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And as always, we are taking your questions. Head on over to that Bucks Facebook page if that's not already where you're watching the show. That's where you can submit all of your questions under our live video on the Bucks Facebook page. Uh, I also love seeing how people end up in conversations on it as with well each other. with each yeah. other, which is kind of cool. So it's a nice little Bucks community over mm -hmm. there. Head over to the Facebook Live page. And uh, as people start sending some of those in, uh, I know you've got a new piece up that you're working on today about the second-year players of, of what they're going to need to yeah. do the jumps that could happen well, right so uh, i want to hear some of those things that you know you don't have to give the whole article well, away because you want people to go read them. it so Ooh. so we're a week away from the rookies reporting the rookies report a couple days before the veterans and that got me thinking about last year's rookies and it was a really good rookie class i mean yeah. the first four draftees all produced a lot three of the four were starters and the one that wasn't really was chris godwin who everybody thinks is going to be a starter in the long run he's just kind of right. a little bit blocked from playing time um you know, there was a, there was only a six-man class, and Jeremy McNichols didn't make it, and Stevie Tui Colavato got hurt. So we're talking about those four guys. And, you know, we're going to be really focusing on our new rookies here pretty soon. But right. I wanted to go back and look at those guys, including Stevie Tui Colavato, and just set some reasonable goals for them in their second season. Because okay. a lot of times play, people talk about players making the big leap in their second year because they've had a full – off-season in the NFL. They've also had a season where they've kind of become acclimated and got used to the speed of the game and so right. on. And a lot of guys that are good players uh, that end up being good players make a big leap from year one to year two. A good example for the Buccaneers was Levante David. We know how good he was, right? Right. His very first year, he was very promising. He looked like he was going to be a really good player. Like, maybe this was a second-round steal. But, you know, the numbers were kind of pedestrian, you know, maybe 80, 100 tackles, but not a lot of big plays. His second year was that year where he had like five interceptions and seven sacks and made a first team all pro. Right. That's the year two leap. Now, we don't necessarily need any of our guys from last year to make as big of a jump as that to help the team a lot. Mm -hmm. But it would be good if all four of those guys took a step forward. So, right. so if, let's, if I said to you, O.J. Howard, what would you guess is maybe what I might think is would be a good goal for him? A good goal for him? Some, I would guess something around the lines of maybe some of the red zone stuff because that's I always good, I know yeah. that you always love talking about that with the offense. I know right. that's something they're focusing on. But, um, yeah, I mean, just maybe some more. That would be a good one, but he did have six touchdowns, mm -hmm. um, although they were a lot of more red zone. Red zone, zone ones, yeah. What I talked about was his run blocking. Oh, it yeah. Was, you know, he came in with a reputation, and he did a good job at, at Alabama of run blocking, so sort of a fully formed, right. complete Y-type tight end. And I don't think anybody was completely satisfied with the run blocking from the tight ends in general right. last year. And, but they all, every, our coaches all believe he's very much capable of it. So with an offseason to work on that, if his run blocking is a lot better, that will mean a lot for our defense. Yeah. So that's. I, a, did you want to do another one, or do you got questions coming Yeah, in? so I think we're having a bit of an issue with our link on Facebook uh, not popping up live. So, uh -oh. um, yeah, giving, I tell fans. To go dark. over there, we're uh, we're unfortunately at the moment. I don't think live on Facebook. Uh, so if you do have some questions, maybe head over to Twitter. <laughs> if, our, our way that we used to yeah. rock and roll yeah. on Twitter. If you want to use that hashtag Bucks Live on Twitter, I'll also search there and kind of bounce back and forth on Facebook. See if we are able so to get the live stream the fly, up. Huh? So we're just doing this just on the fly right now. Professionals, we are. I know, right? You never know. It? Live television. This is what happens. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, live <laughs> difference. Live things. Yeah. Um, so I know. I already know. Before we even got any of the questions today or anything, um, that we always get the stuff about two different things: the safeties. So you're just going to go ahead. So and ask I'm just going to go and ask the questions <laughs> because I can tell that this is the stuff that people every time. And you know, it's not like everyone gets to tune in every week when we do this. So I already know every week we get the questions about the safeties. Who's going to start safety? Who's going to start a safety? And we get the questions about the wide receivers. And I think to me, the wide receiver one in particular is going to be really interesting because it's less okay. about starters and who's not starting, and more about just all the different ways these right. guys could get used 
and and the different weapons there. Good, so I didn't really want to answer that safety. I know you get tired of that one but too. Th- so do you want to talk about the receivers? Then? Sure. Let's okay, talk about so that. Okay. W- so <laughs> there's a funny little thing that happens every year around this time of year, uh, you know, in the off season, and then especially when training camp starts, where every day in training camp there's another receiver, maybe a young guy who makes. Who makes a big impact, and everybody's talking about them. Right. And you get a few, you get about a week into training camp, and you're like, we've got eight or nine receivers. How are we going to possibly pare this down to five or six? Right. That's what we all think when we're watching it. I'm sure the coaches don't yeah. think that way because they're breaking down every single play, not just the ones that flash to you and I. But uh, and then by the end of training camp, by the end of the preseason, you know you you're struggling to keep five or six that you think make up your best core. Right. I don't think that's what we're going to have this year. I think we're going to have, I think it's going to be legitimate. I think we're going to be legitimately looking at at least eight guys and thinking, man, I want to keep all these guys. That's awesome. All right. Because when you start right off the bat, can you imagine barring injury? And we should just say that for any of right. these questions. So let's just get that out of the way. So forget right. the injury thing. Can you imagine not keeping Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, and Adam Humphreys? That's like a baseline four, no doubt. Right. Right. Yeah, of course. Right. And then you just spent a fifth round pick on a receiver that seems promising, big, fast, Justin Watson out of Penn. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, yeah, he seems like a really interesting idea. Are we and, starting and, to get some questions? And they, yeah, we, we are at least live on Facebook okay. now, <laughs> so people can go there uh, now that they know if you don't have a Twitter or something. Right. So we do so have that. So that's five guys. And, you know, fifth-round draft picks aren't a lock. You know, we actually had one that didn't make it last year in Jeremy McNichols, but they make it more often than not. So I'm going to say I think Justin Watson has a 90% chance he's, he's a fifth guy there. That's so you've good. got five yeah, without hardly even the – thinking about it yeah but then what, everybody's been raving about Bobo Wilson yeah so the improved. coaches do seem to really enjoy him and one of my favorite things is listening to the wide receiver coach Skyler yell Bobo's name all the time like <laughs> he I think he just genuinely <laughs> he loves, just loves yelling, yelling Bobo, Bobo. Yeah. and so I have no idea if this has anything to do with how he's doing as a player but I know it's just fun to say that yeah I'm like you right. can just tell that he's out there like that's right Bobo <laughs> Bobo like over and over I feel like it's one of those games where we should start counting how many times we get to hear that yell. but that's probably a good thing that is probably a very you good thing you want to be you want the coach you want your your name in your coach's mouth right and you yeah. want them to be talking about you uh you know Freddie Martino I liked what Freddie did last year. I thought he was a real asset to the team. And he's one of those guys that can play all the positions, and that's a great thing to have as a backup. You know, he can play the slot. He can play on the outside. Whereas a guy like Bernard Greedy, another guy we can talk about, who might have a shot at winning the kick return job like he did last year, right. uh, he's more of a slot guy, period. You know, so he, you could, he still could bring you a lot of value, but then Freddie is a little bit more versatile. Plus, Freddie Martino is a fantastic special teams player. Yeah, so there's now we're, we're at seven there, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, you know, so there's just – oh, well, I ate if you can have Bernard Reedy. Right, yeah. So I would not be shocked by any of those guys making a team, except for the fact that you're not going to keep eight receivers. Yeah, you just So can't. if you – if, let's say, Bobo Wilson makes it again, like he did eventually last year, who's that at the expense of? And does does that depth there mean they're more likely to keep six when five is probably the easiest number because mm-hmm. it gives you another spot, maybe another tight end or another running back. But if you're forced to keep six, maybe because one of them is a great special teamer like Freddie or, or a kick returner like Bernard Reedy, you're losing out on another spot. But if they're that good, you don't want to let them go. Yeah, that's a really great point. Uh, all right, we had a question here from Philip who said, what is the most intriguing new rule in the league? Oh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be the helmet thing, right? Because nobody knows – What's going to come of it? That's true. Uh, I, I will say that maybe the, maybe intriguing isn't the right word for that one because it's just so much uncertainty, and I think a lot of people are very worried about it. So if I could answer that question again, get a mulligan here. Yeah. Um, the new kickoff stuff is going to be entertaining to me, and I actually interviewed our special teams coach, Nate Katzer, and you know that's obviously the number one 
uh, authority in this building on right. that. Uh, and he obviously knows everything there is to know about that and what effect it could possibly be. And even he says, we don't really know for sure yet. We might be five or six weeks in the season until we know which way this is going. Is right. this favoring the, the coverage teams and making returns less likely, or is this favoring the return teams? And we're going to have a, you know, a lot more big returns, more touchdowns. Uh, we don't know yet. So that's, I guess that's why it was the word intriguing. Yes. Okay. I think that makes it intriguing. Whereas the helmet thing is more like worrisome. Yeah, that's People fair. People aren't really sure what the impact of that one is going to be. And we've seen how with things like the catch rule that when there's a little bit of ambiguity, it can result yeah. in, I mean, I, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. Um, I think the catch rule would have a lot more impact on a game with the ambiguity because of how often catches right. are a thing. But now they've cleared that up. But now they've cleared that up. And so hopefully this can be one of those where they learn from that and it can be cleared up mm-hmm. quickly and it doesn't end up causing too much question. It doesn't end up costing anybody right. a game. It's not a big def- you know, defining yeah. characteristic. The only thing I don't like about the new catch rule is that I have a friend who's a Dallas Cowboys fan, hmm. and we've always argued about the Des Bryant play in Green Bay. Yeah, and the I've Des always felt thing. like a, I the could, rallying cry in Dallas <laughs> of Des caught I just, it. I just like to torture him, and, and so I always took the side of uh, they, they got it right. But I could always fall back on, well, I know it's it's maybe a silly rule and it looked like a catch, but by the rules, it's right. not a catch. Right, which and is I can't pretty do funny. that anymore. So I'll just probably have to stop being friends with that guy. Yeah, I think that seems like the only answer. Which there. he's a Dallas Cowboys fan, so it'll be easy. So not that challenging. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Those people from there. Dallas are the worst. <laughs> uh, Darian says, "Do you see us adding depth at running back in the future?" Darian is a D A R I A N. Ian. Oh, and it's not former Buccaneers running back Darian Barnes because that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that if, would be pretty. He was asking us. That about would be quite backs. some insight there. So, it, are we going to add running back depth? Yes. I don't see the need. Um, you know, because Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber seem like a lock as your primary ball carriers. We don't know yet how how they're going to share the carries, but I would suspect between the two of them they get, you know, 80 to 90% of the carries. Jacquez Rogers is already there. The coaches love Jacquez Rogers, okay? Right. They love him. They say he's so smart. He knows the game so well. He's like another coach on the field. And he can kind of fill in in whatever role you need. He could be your third down back because he used to do that in Atlanta for Dirk Cutter. Right. He can be your every down back. We saw he got a chance, had a couple hundred-yard games in a row. He's a ni- really nice depth piece to have there. And then Charles Sims, you know, there's still that possibility there of another 2015-type season out of Charles Sims where he was the perfect complement to Doug Martin, and he caught a lot of passes. He's very good at that. And if he's if he's f- allowed to focus on that specifically as his role and he gets some playing time, I mean, he's still a useful player there. And then I've said before on these that I kind of am intrigued by the undrafted rookie Sean Wilson out of Duke. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly sure what more depth that running back would do for you because you're talking – you're not going to find a guy right now that you're going to bring in and decide he's here's, he's your main guy over right. Peyton and Ronald Jones, right? Right. So – you're talking about a depth guy who's going to see limited snaps, and we've already got that. Right. Rogers. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't really think it's necessary. That's a great point. Uh, Wes wants to know who's the favorite at right guard. I think I've asked answered this before, and I'll have to stick with the same answer so it doesn't look like I'm, I'm waffling. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Caleb Beninock. You know, JR, before we had to say if J.R. Sweezy comes back then you know from his health issue, then he'd be in the mix, but he's been released since. Right. So that's not a part of the picture anymore. And to me, the leader is Caleb Beninock because uh, the other – Options would be um, the rookie, Alex Kappa. Mm-hmm. And, and Caleb's had a couple of years now, and they kind of like the way he finished last season. And then uh, probably Evan Smith. Mm-hmm. But he's a nice guy to have as a, a guy you can fill in at every spot. He's kind of like the perfect you know, in, interior reserve that you keep active on game day. Right. And, and maybe he'll... He'll do more. He started plenty of games in the NFL, so maybe he'll prove to be the best option when it's all said and done. But I'm going to go with Caleb right now. Yeah, I think he's a, a player on the rise. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. Uh, Colin said, 
Uh, what's the story on Jordan Whitehead? Is he going to be able to compete for a starting spot? Yeah, I think he will compete for it. I, I think it'd be early to call him a favorite just because you are returning your two incumbents from last year. I'd be surprised if Justin Evans is pushed off one of the starting spots. And then the other one was Chris Conti. And, and uh, that's another player that the coaches like quite a bit, Chris Conti. And uh, so I think he would have to have a pretty impressive preseason slash training camp to unseat one of those guys, but I do fully believe he'll get the opportunity to compete for the starting job. Okay. And I think you'll see him on the field a decent amount over the course of the season in one way or another. Um, this is someone named Stephen King, which I'm sure he's heard a million jokes Stephen about that. King, I'm like, yeah. I'm really hoping it's There's the actual author. Stephen, as a guy named Scott Smith, I know there are you a, know lot there of, are a lot of people. Stephen King's and Scott Smith. That's Smith's true. Um, he wants to know how the playing time could be split up in the preseason with Winston Fitzpatrick and Griffin knowing that Boy, this uh, that that to me is one of the most intriguing things of how do you get yeah. everyone who needs to be prepared prepared yeah. now yeah I imagine that's going to be the number one question that coach Cutter's mm-hmm. asked when the train when the games start to arrive and uh you know we don't know that yet we can make some educated guesses uh I would think you know part of the part of the issues here is Jameis is, is allowed to be here and play in the preseason games and go through training camp, but he won't be around during the three-game suspension. So if you are trying to get him ready to play, you, you kind of have to do it before the suspension, right? You can't just give Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever ends up being the starter all of it right. because you're preparing for those first three games. So it's going to be a balancing act, I think, a little bit. It'll probably be a bit more of a split than you're used to. And that third game when your starter plays the farthest into the game – Probably Ryan Fitzpatrick, if if he's the front runner still, gets that role. But maybe maybe Jameis gets a little bit more than the second guy in would normally get. I mean, it's it's tough because you basically have to get two guys ready to go. Yeah, it's going to be it's, really it, interesting. It's going to be a, a juggling act. We'll see what happens. Uh, Colin said, "What's going on with MJ Stewart? Is he working at outside corner or the slot?" Well, the problem was MJ was a little banged up uh, during the the last part of the offseason there so we didn't see as much of him on the field as we would like to to be able to answer that question I know that they thought his best chance to make an impact early would be in the slot so I would go with that okay not really a whole lot to back it up right yeah um, and we'll close with this one we had a couple of questions back to back about the defensive personnel now that we have so many new guys if you think that it we had Darian ask if there might be more aggressive defensive schemes and then we had someone asking about if we might do more man defense compared to something else so that we just had a few questions about if you think that we just got more personnel to fit the scheme we already have or now with the new personnel might we change the scheme yeah that's a topic we tend to come up with every week too just like the safeties thing and uh you know the coaches as you would expect have they been asked questions like that and haven't really been too specific with their answers they've been a little bit vague and of course i mean why are you going to give away your strategy right Uh, i would say the answer whether it was getting players to fit or vice versa I, I kind of go down the middle here and say I think they just got more versatile players in general. They got a lot of different types of players that will allow us to do a more, a more versatile approach on offense on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a you got a Carlton Davis type who you can press more with and is a big guy against receiver against big receivers. And you got MJ Stewart who could be good in the slot. And now you got a lot of different types of defensive linemen because of the reconstruction of that, right? So I think that you will have the option of being more aggressive and seeing and more versatile and more multiple, a word that coaches use a lot. And if I were a betting man, I would say they will take advantage of that. And, yes, you'll see a more aggressive and a more multiple defense this year. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us on Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Make sure you come back next week with those questions because then we're basically getting into training camp. Right that we are yep. finally at the end of the offseason time where it's all about, you know, 
predicting things, right. and I wonder if, and we'll actually have some real training camp practices mm -hmm. to talk about. So Sounds come back fun. here next week with all of your questions ready to go, and we'll see you then.